Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Big Six Athletes Podcast. I'm Coach Liel and today I'm hosting Dr. Nick Licamelli and we are going to discuss everything there is to know about training with injuries. Uh, we are going to cover things like in which cases you might want to take a break from training and go see a professional and in which cases it's appropriate to keep your training routine uh, and also some modifications and adjustments you can do uh, to keep training and progressing. So Nick, thank you for joining me. Thank you again for having me. And um, it never ceases to amaze me how something like bodybuilding or just weightlifting uh, can connect people from all around the world. And mm -hmm. uh, it's so cool that, that you and I are having this conversation right now. So uh, it's always a cool thing when um, when it, we get uh, we get out of the gym and just kind of uh, appreciate the, the beauty of our sport and, and all the connections that we can make throughout it. So, yeah, man, it's an honor to be here. A little bit about me. I guess I should start with uh, that I'm a father and and a husband. Um, so I'm a father to two baby girls, three and almost two at the recording right now. So, uh, but it goes fast, man. Anyone out there that has kids knows that. Um, <laughs> I'm also a, a doctor of physical therapy and a, a pro natural bodybuilder. Um, I also uh, work with 3DMJ, so I'm the injury reduction and management specialist for 3DMJ. And um, I also uh, work with the BFR pros uh, with Dr. Nick Rolnick. And we have um, been to Paris uh, last year and kind of go all around the States um, teaching courses about blood flow restriction training, um, which is kind of cool because Nick and I are both physical therapists and bodybuilders. So BFR is one of those things that has implications in both physical therapy and bodybuilding. Um so that's a little bit about about me. And then my full-time job, like my nine-to-five job, I am the owner of a, uh, a an outpatient physical therapy office here in New Jersey in the United States. Uh, New Jersey is right near New York. I could see New York out my window uh, on, on a clear day when the, when there's no clouds out, uh, out in the sky. So, um, oh, yeah, great. that's a bit about me. Yep. Uh, so, uh, again, thank you for joining me. Uh, and the topic we're going to talk about today is training during injuries or pain, uh, modifications and adjustments we can do. Um, I guess everyone trains uh, felt at least once uh, pain or an injury. And it's a very confusing situation. Uh, and sometimes we don't know what to do. Like, maybe we should avoid completely and go see a professional. Or maybe we should uh, train through the pain. Um, or if we can make adjustments, so which and when. Uh, so I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is what are the most common injuries uh, in powerlifting slash bodybuilding slash everything that comes out of it, uh, you know, like even for the average uh, everyday gym member. Um, and in most cases, from your experience, in most cases, should we avoid training completely and wait till it's over and maybe go see a professional? Or, um, you know, if if in, in most cases not, so when should we avoid uh, completely and go see a professional? Yeah, I really like the way that you frame that question because you, you started and you said um, it, pain and injury can be uh, confusing or can um, kind of leave us questioning what to do. And this is more than a hobby for a lot of us. It's It's part of who we are. And if, if we can't train, if we can't do what we love, it, it really impacts our life significantly. And people outside of, of the sport 
may think that's silly uh, and may not get it, but um, that's who we are. So um, it could be it could be scary because then this pain can progress from something that just hurts in the gym. And now it hurts throughout your day going up and down the stairs and then it can start impacting other aspects of your life. And all you want to do is just work out and keep doing what you're doing. So, yeah, I think it's a good question. And what's important to remember, I think, um, to to start this answer is that pain isn't always um, indicative of tissue damage. So we can have pain without actual tissue damage or we can have tissue damage without actual pain. That's important to remember because pain, what we're, what we're seeing in the research is that it's multifactorial. So there's a lot of things that get put into, into the sensation of pain. Um, it can be actual tissue damage. Like if you uh, roll your ankle as you're stepping off of a curb and it gets black and blue and it blows up, um, that's probably some kind of ligament sprain that you have and the tissue probably tore and it has to heal itself. But usually pain is not quite as clear cut as that. So the first thing that I usually do, um, and you also said that uh, most of us out there have experienced pain at some point, and I'm not, uh, I, I've definitely had my fair share of pain over the years, because I think we all probably started similarly, uh, looking at the magazines and very like bro science. Uh, so we kind of went about training like that until we've kind of found other resources. And, and that's what's happening or what happened to me in physical therapy as well. You come out of school and you have a basic kind of knowledge about how to do this thing in, in, in rehab. And then, um, you get some mentors out there and you try to find other sources of knowledge. And it's very much like the journey of bodybuilding. You can get some people who, who don't really give you the right information or uh, you kind of get like this bro science approach to physical therapy and, and physical uh, musculoskeletal rehab. And then you, um, you feel like that's the way to do it. And then you get more resources and you start realizing, wow, that's, that's pretty uh, inaccurate and you start getting other resources just like in bodybuilding we start in the magazines on bodybuilding.com and all these different places um and then we find other resources like 3dmj and 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 the like uh, stronger by science right i'm sure everyone knows knows who who we're talking about here with with the good guys out there and then you go through this renaissance uh where you leave that bro stage and you start looking at things a bit differently so that's kind of the journey that I went on in physical therapy and in bodybuilding. Um, so if you do have pain, uh, it's important to rule out red flags first. If there's any kind of uh, numbness or tingling in your leg or in your arm, that's something that you may want to get checked out. Um, if the pain is constant, if it doesn't get better with certain positions, like if you can't find any kind of position of relief, if it's steadily getting worse over the course of a week or two weeks, if there's any kind of, um, if you have a fever, like if there's any risk of some kind of infection, um, all those things, uh, if it's waking up at nighttime consistently, uh, all those things are reasons why I would probably not want to figure it out on my own and maybe get it checked out by a professional. Any kind of loss of bowel and bladder control, that's another red flag you want to get checked out. Um, all those things, if there was no real rhyme or reason, like if you were, um, if, 
if you were doing a lateral raise and you lifted up your arm and you felt like a sharp pain and then your arm kind of hurt for the next like week or two, at least we know it was probably that exercise that did it. But if this is just some like nonspecific pain that just like creeps up and, and it has those other symptoms that I just kind of spoke about, I would get it checked out by someone, but that's not the majority. The majority of pain are those nagging, annoying uh, strains and and things that we get in the gym from time to time. And when it comes to those, it's really important to just analyze the characteristics of it and see what makes it hurt, what makes it better, and then kind of lean into those things. So one example, is kind of like a practical way to look at this, is uh, say we'll take the lateral raise, for example. If If I'm doing my lateral raises, and I feel a sharp pain. Um, my first thought is not to put the weight down and leave the gym. Um, I'll just try another rep <laughs> and just see if it hurts again. Like maybe it was just a weird, a uh, weird rep, and and I'll never think about the pain again. So then I go do another rep, and if it doesn't hurt, great, continue on as originally planned. Um, if it continues to hurt then I would probably try to change my arm position a little bit. Like maybe just bring it a little forward, bring it a little bit backward. If that doesn't do it, maybe I would try lowering the weight a little bit and just seeing if that works and just kind of work my way through a couple different modifications just to see if I can impact that pain at all. So not that I'm trying to find a way to treat it. I just want to see what pisses the shoulder off and what makes it feel better. And then we can use that information moving forward. Um, Sometimes it's not as clear cut as that. Sometimes the pain doesn't hurt in the gym. So you can do your whole workout and feel great. And then afterwards, your shoulder just kind of like aches. That's a bit more, that's a bit more challenging because it's not uh, as specific as that one exercise that we can just modify in the moment and find a solution. In those instances, when the pain is more after training, I like to look at things like overall volume. Um, because maybe it's not a specific exercise that's doing it, but maybe it's just your overall volume load that we're putting at this thing. And then it's kind of manifesting itself after the fact um, in some pain. Also, things like RPE, like how close are we getting to failure throughout the session? Like maybe it's just this accumulation of just volume and, and intensity and it just comes out in the shoulder later once the adrenaline kind of calms down once the pre-workout wears off then maybe uh then maybe it, it starts to come on the pain um and so i think one important way to view this whole this whole concept and then you also asked um uh is it always is it good to take time off and should we just stop training should we try to continue and push through it one way to look at that question is by imagining um this balancing act between load and capacity. So if, uh, if anyone has the video here, you could see my hands moving up, but if you're, if I'm just on audio, then you can just imagine like, um, like two, uh, two like bar graphs, uh, kind of like right next to each other. And, uh, so on the one side we have load and load is not just weight on the bar load is, um, our overall volume load is anything that we put into our tissues. So, um, if you help a friend of yours move their apartment and you're carrying boxes, uh, if you're a construction worker and you're using a hammer at work, if you um, uh, happen to go for a long walk with a family member that you don't usually do, like all those things go into this load kind of column. And capacity 
is our ability to do those things. It's our built up strength. It's our built up endurance. Um, things like sleep, stress, nutrition, hydration, all of those things are going to impact capacity. So we have these two things working together. And in an ideal world, what would happen is we would slowly increase our load and our capacity would adapt and increase. And we would slowly increase our load and our capacity would adapt until we're these superhuman specimens that just have all of this load, all of this capacity, and we're just like crushing life. But that never happens because life is not perfect. <laughs> so sometimes this balancing act can get a bit off kilter. Um, so say, for example, we have pain and we have our load and capacity pretty high up because we're we're experienced lifters and we do this day in and day out. And we built up that strength, that resiliency, all that capacity. And now we have some kind of pain. So if we take time completely off, and we take all of the load out of this uh, this balancing act here, you probably feel better. Like you you probably won't feel the pain because we're not challenging at all. So your pain may feel better, but now uh, all this capacity is kind of slowly decreasing as you're taking this time off from the gym. And then say we take a week or two or even like four weeks off from the gym. After that time, how do we know where to go back? Right. We have to kind of play this guessing game of how do we get back into the gym? Do we use light weight? Do we do half the sets and reps? Do we do the same sets and reps, but just don't push it close to failure? And then as we're trying to guess that, we we have the risk now of over exceeding that capacity and just getting hurt again. So the better way to approach it and the way that I usually approach it is um we slow, just slowly modify our training uh, and then we can slowly build it back up. So one example of this would be, um, I will, we'll take the shoulder example. So we have our load and our capacity up nice and high, and then we develop some of the shoulder pain. Um, what I would suggest is let's take uh, load, for example, and there are all different ways to modify your training. Load is a very common one. Range of motion is another common one. So we just shorten the range of motion a bit. Speed is another one. We can um, uh, either increase the speed or decrease the speed, depending on if one of those variables is painful. Um, we could change the RPE, like all, the, all those kind of things, or all different things we can throw at this, depending on the person's individual responses to these modifications. So let's take an easy example. We... Um, we change the range of motion for this particular person. Um, and we just kind of bring the weight up to like three quarters of the way and then bring it back down instead of bringing it up all the way. So now we've taken a small modification and taken one baby step down of our load. And now capacity is going to drop just a little bit to meet that. And if that works, like if just limiting the range of motion works for like a week or two, and then you go right back to full range, perfect. So now we just do this one little step up and then capacity meets you back up there. Um, if that one little modification didn't work, we'll make another one. Maybe we drop the load a little bit too. So we come down a little bit more and then capacity follows, but now that feels good. And now we slowly work back up and we're playing this kind of like step game back and forth um, rather than completely stopping and then trying to guess where we're going. And the other benefit of that is that you don't feel like you are an injured person. Right, you don't you don't get that identity of being hurt or injured because you're still training. 
and you're still getting a great stimulus. You're still going in the gym. You're still packing your bag up. You're still driving to the gym. You're still seeing your your friends at the gym. You're smelling the gym floor. Like it, you're still you're still very much a, a lifter, and you have your identity still. And like we said, pain is very multifactorial, and and it's very much mentally impacted too. So if we can keep the athlete as much of themselves as possible and doing the things that they love uh, as they're recovering from this pain, the better. Um, so that's kind of a good like um, overview, but also some like practical examples of how I would approach um, someone in that kind of pain when we've ruled out red flags. Um, and we don't want to take time completely off. We want to always find a way to stay in the gym and do whatever we can without making the pain worse. Yeah, so in general, pain can come without any damage and damage can come without any pain, like you said. Uh, and I remember, uh, it's a nice story, uh, when I had this lower back pain, not such a nice story, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and I asked my coach, you know, I was nervous. I asked my coach, maybe I have a damage in my disc or anything. Uh, and he said, even if you do have damage in your, in your disc, uh, it doesn't mean that that's what caused the pain. Uh, and I guess that the fear of pain is what causing people uh, sometimes to avoid completely. Um, but when you do that, like you said, you're bringing down your capacity. Uh, and maybe you will feel better. But when, you, when you're coming back, uh, you don't know where to start. And I guess that's the reason maybe sometimes people may hurt themselves again and again because... Maybe you start a little bit higher than what you were supposed to be doing. So maybe the right thing to do is to take a step backwards and see how it works. Maybe if not, take another step backwards, see how it works. Uh, and from then to try to progress to uh, the original exercise. Uh, so what do you think, talking about progression, what do you think about progression in those situations? Um, in two ways. Maybe uh, one way is that to progress in things that doesn't cause the pain, uh, you know, in other ways, like for example, if I reduce the weight, so maybe I should look for increasing the sets or the reps. Uh, and what do you think about how to progress to the original exercise? Like if I made modification in some exercise, uh, so how do I get back into it? Yeah, one of the metaphors I like to use is, um, like when you uh, put the water on in the shower, uh, you, you kind of put it somewhere that seems logical. You, you're given all the information. You're looking at the faucet. You see the hot. You see the cold. You will put a little bit closer to hot. And that's your best judgment given the data and the information that you have. But now you don't just like jump in the shower and, and let the water start hitting your body. First, you feel it like with your hand maybe. And then that's a little bit too cold and you turn a little bit more and then you feel it again. Okay, that's okay for now. And then you put your foot in maybe and then you adjust it more and then you go into the shower and then maybe even adjust it another time when you're in there. That's kind of how we approach all these different modifications that we can make because there really is no right or wrong answer. Sometimes multiple things may work for someone. Sometimes only one thing may work for someone. And usually you can get that by diving into the characteristics of the pain so a good example would be, and a common example would be low back pain at the bottom of a squat. So if someone's doing a barbell back squat and they have pain once they get to depth, that seems like a simple one to just modify the range of motion. 
So we would put maybe a box behind them so they it stops them right before they get to that deepest part. And then we're still getting 99.9% of the benefit of the squat, but we're just not hitting that sensitive point. And then your question about progression. So now we have this modification in place. We're able to squat without pain. That's great. But now I want to squat without a box behind me. So how do we get back to doing that? Um, so we just ride that out for a week. And then maybe after a week, if it feels great, then we'll start, uh, if the person's doing four sets of squats, maybe we do three sets with the box and then one set without, and we see how that feels. Maybe we just have them do their warm up sets without a box and just feel what it feels like to go to depth with the bar in your back and come back up and see how that feels. Um, if that feels good, we ride that out for another week and then we maybe try two sets, uh, two and two. So we'll do two sets with the box and two sets without the box. And we kind of can work our way out like that. And then if at one point in our, like, it's like a perfect hypothetical situation, if that doesn't work, if um, the athlete has an argument with his, his or her significant other, if they uh, get a rough night's sleep because they got two kids that are both sick and they don't want to sleep, then uh, then we adjust, right? If one week is painful, okay, maybe we'll ride this out for another week or maybe we'll just jump back to the previous week and we'll we'll do three sets of the box instead of two and we'll, and we'll keep doing that. But it's this constant kind of um, getting feedback and adjusting from there. So in a perfect world, we would kind of slowly work back into uh, slowly, I guess, remove the box in this example. Um, but it all depends on how the person feels. And then what's good is that they've been through this process. So they've been through uh, the modification and then working out of the modification. Um, so then if it ever happens again in the future, which it may, like it's the goal isn't to be pain free necessarily. The goal is to um, learn to accept pain when it does come and then just know how to work around it. Um, so if it does happen again, at least they've had this experience of going through the process, coming out of the process, and they've collected all this data and this this mental resiliency and um, and physical resiliency. And that's the goal. Like, that's the perfect scenario. The, the thing that makes me the happiest is when um, I'll get check-ins from athletes and they'll tell me um, – you know, I, I had uh, had some pain in this movement again, which I haven't had in a while. So I just put in that modification we, we we used like six months ago. It felt good. And I moved on to the next exercise. Like, that's great. That's my ultimate goal. Um, I don't want to, to create that dependency where I'm getting like emails on a Tuesday night. Like, oh, I got pain in my back. I don't know what to do. Like we were doing so well and now it's back. I want to hear after the fact, I was able to make the modification that that you taught me through the principles that we, that we've talked about. Um, that's the ultimate goal is to make someone not only more physically resilient, but also mentally resilient. And you find out those things about yourself uh, during the hardest times and injury can be a time when you learn more about your body than you will ever know. Um, similar to the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, we were all forced to find ways to train at home. If, if, if our gyms closed, and you find ways to exercise and you find ways you, you make up different exercises uh, and you do things you would have never done if the pandemic never happened. If you have access to your gym, you would have never explored all those different expressions of movement that you did. Um, same thing in a relationship. Like 
my wife and I, she's never going to want, I'm, I'm sure she's not going to watch this, this episode, but if she does, um, we'll both tell you, like, we've learned more about each other, um, in, in the hard times, right. When we've, uh, uh, a family death, right. If someone dies and you have to come together as a family and, and find a way through, then all of a sudden things are less scary moving forward. Um, after stepping on a bodybuilding stage in uh, in a in a man bikini and uh, and and in front of a bunch of strangers and flexing, when you step off that stage, there's not much else that you'll be nervous about <laughs> uh, after those first couple shows. And uh, and it's true. Like I found that in my own self. As you do more, as you push yourself more, and you get you get that little stress, like you get that little nervous feeling. Um, and when you speak in front of five people, and then you speak in front of ten people. Then you speak in front of 20 people, all of a sudden speaking in front of five people is not that scary anymore because you've kind of leveled up each time, but you have to go through those hard kind of stressful times. So same thing with pain and injury. Um, it could be a time for great, great learning. So if you are going through something and you have some pain, I know it's not ideal, but appreciate the situation for what it is. And uh, and you you will become stronger because of it after you get through it. Yeah. So I guess the main principle here is to explore and see what works best uh, for you. Uh, and over time to learn how to make modifications uh, and learn about yourself. Uh, and those things not only uh, improves you as uh, improves you physically, but both physically and mentally. Um, so talking about progression, I want to tell you about a situation I had with one of my trainees. So I had this uh, trainee who had shoulder pain every time she pressed overhead. So first thing we tried was to reduce the weight uh, and it didn't help because uh, it wasn't the load. It was the movement itself, you know, like even bring the arm overhead was painful. Uh, so the second thing we tried was to, uh, you know, we did uh, seated, uh, back supported dumbbell overhead press. So the second thing we tried was to move to an incline bench press. Um, and the the movement itself reduced uh, the range of motion overhead. So uh, we tried to make it the most vertical we can, as long as it's pain-free. So it was the mid-range between bench press and overhead press, like 45 degrees, something like that. Um, and it worked just fine. So we increased reps, we increased uh, weight. Uh, and every mesocycle, like every four to five weeks, uh, we tried to uh, make uh, more vertical position, you know, like another clips in the bench. Uh, and again, it worked fine. So we increased weight, we increased reps. Uh, and before even noticing, we went back to uh, back supported overhead press, which is what we did before. And this time, not only it was without any pain, but it was heavier. So performance was better. Um, and what I did was, uh, what I noticed that I did was to respond to what she was feeling at this moment. But, uh, you know, if we respond to what the person feel uh, at that moment, so... The question is, what if, and you talked about it before, uh, what if the person doesn't feel uh, pain at the exact moment? What if the pain comes, you know, after like two or three hours later? 
uh, and we don't know where it came from, if it's the load, if it's the movement, if it's the range of motion, if it's the proximity to failure. So I guess my question is, uh, how do we manage um, this one? How do we know which approach to take? And uh, maybe we should take a more conservative approach. Maybe we should um, lower the volume uh, or uh, to explore um, and see over the course of uh, weeks or months. Uh, so did you have a situation like this? Uh, like, how do we manage this? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good question. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I think what you did was, was really good. Um, I would probably do something very similar. Uh, I think... If uh, it also depends on the the athlete's goals too, so if the goal is hypertrophy, then we can throw anything at it, and it'll pretty much grow as long as we're bringing the muscle to fatigue. If we're talking about a power lifter who's got to, who has to do very specific movements, um, or if someone is competing in something where they have to do an overhead press, then then that makes things a little bit more difficult. But if the goal is just to get stronger, build some muscle, get in shape, then yeah, I think what you did was perfect. Um, another thing we could do would be, um, uh, I like the landmine press where you kind of put the bar like in the corner and then you could press up like that. I like that because it's a bit more stable than just like a free weight press. And you can also, um, auto regulate the amount of, of forward elevation of the shoulder, because if you stand a bit more upright, you'll probably get your arm to more like a 45 degree angle. But if you lean into it as you press up, then you'll get closer and closer to full elevation. So I like that one. I feel that most um, athletes with shoulder pain with overhead pressing, it feels pretty good for them. Uh, it feels pretty comfortable, and we can load that pretty heavily too. Um, sometimes we don't even go back to the overhead barbell press. In some instances, they're like, wow, this feels so much better. Like I have no need to overhead press. Um, but if it is pain after training, like you're saying, then – First and foremost, I would look at overall volume load and um, sleep and recovery. If those things are in check, which uh, that, that would be great if they both were, like if someone is having um, uh, oh, perfect example. I worked with um, Wayne Carmona. He's um, Wayne Gaines on Instagram. Uh, he works with Alberto uh, yeah, Nunez yeah. for BMJ. And he um, he had a hamstring injury recently. He documented it very very nicely on his on his social media. If anyone wants to check it out, but here's a guy who comes to me. He's been working with Alberto for years, and he's a three DMJ three DMJ follower for years as well. I know this athlete has volume in check. He has an intelligent structure, intelligently structured program, and he knows the importance of sleep, nutrition, hydration. Like this isn't someone who I have to have that conversation with. So in this, that instance, it makes it a little bit harder because all those boxes are checked. So now we have to dive in deeper and see, you know, what are some of the reasons why we're dealing with this? Um, so then in that, in that case, I would do the same process that we would do if someone was having pain in the gym. The difference is that we get feedback later. It's not immediate feedback to see if what we did worked. So we may have to set a plan in place like the water in the shower and then just be patient and see how it pans out. And maybe we try to change the exercise, like change into the landmine press. We're not going to really know if it worked until a day after, two days after. And then even if 
we make the modification and it feels better the next day. We don't know if it was because of landmine press because there were 23 other hours in the day that the person lived. Maybe they did something different. Maybe they 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 watched a, a romantic comedy and had popcorn with their significant, significant other and they just got a release of endorphins that made them feel better. <laughs> so we can't we can't even make a decision. We can't even make a definitive decision after just one session. And if it didn't work, if there was pain after the session, again, we still don't know because the opposite could, could be true for the other 23 hours of the day. So we put a, put something in place that seems logical, like the water in the shower, and then we ride it out and we just be patient and see one week, two weeks, and we just kind of see how it feels. And then we modify from there, depending on if what we're seeing is what we want. Is the water too hot? Is it too cold? If it's not working, we could always try something else. Um so it's basically the same process once those once we know that the training structure is intelligent and it's not too much volume. Um, and then once we know that sleep and recovery, nutrition, all that is in place, then we start diving into more of those kind of more details and kind of just see what works. Yeah, so just a short summary for everything we talked about. Uh, so in most cases, when we feel like a pain or a sensitivity, most of the time we should look for a way that we can train and just make some adjustments based on how we feel. Um, there will be situations when maybe we should take some time off uh, and go see a professional, like the red flags you mentioned before. But most of the times it's not the case. Uh, so we might wanna uh, explore some ways that we can train uh, and just make some modifications uh, so we can work without pain or without making the pain any worse uh, and progress from there. Uh, now about progression, uh, we might want to look for ways to progress uh, without making the pain any worse. So uh, maybe if we reduce the weight, uh, it might be a wise idea uh, to uh, increase the reps or the sets just so we can build some capacity and over time to explore uh, coming back gradually to the original exercise uh, and the original things we used to do before uh, and to do it gradually like in the example you said about the box squat uh, maybe to try one set without a box and the rest of the set with the box uh, and if it feels good so uh, um, we, we might want to try two sets without a box uh, and the rest of the set with a box and so on um, so that's about it uh, and the main guideline is to work and respond to what the person feel uh, at the same moment. Like if it's painful, so we make this, these modifications. If it's still painful, painful, we move to another modification. Uh, and in cases when the athlete uh, or the person feels the pain only uh, maybe two or three hours after the session, we might want to take a little bit more conservative approach uh, when we uh, explore some modifications and maybe lowering the volume a little bit and uh, see what happens and how it feels uh, in the course of a few weeks uh, and we won't get the answer uh, at the same moment so uh, that's the reason why we might want to be more conservative um, and I hope I, I didn't miss anything or got wrong in anything and if I did please tell me and I guess for finish, I would let you uh, 
talk about uh, how people can work with you, how people can reach about some uh, the accounts you have in social media uh, or uh, on the internet. Uh, and of course, if you want to add anything, things we didn't talk about till now. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great summary and uh, much, much more succinct and, uh, and organized than I think my, my responses, my kind of all over the place with my responses. That was a perfect summary. I think one, one thing that I do want to just quickly talk about is, um, so the modifications in the gym and all that is, is one is definitely a huge part of this, of this process. The other part of it would be, um, and I'm sure a lot of the, your listeners are going to have some questions about like warmups, stretching, mobility work, foam rolling, like how does that all fit in here? And, and so those kind of things, um, can be used to just reduce the pain sensitivity in the short term. So if you have back pain or shoulder pain and you lie on a foam roller for 30 seconds and you roll out your mid back and you get some pops and cracks in your back and it feels good and there's less pain when you go to train, do it, like keep doing it. If it takes 30 seconds and it helps by all means, keep doing it. Um, the problem is when those things get used, like the massage guns and the cupping and the acupuncture and the foam rollers, when those things get used and then they're not combined with progressive loading, that's when it's kind of just like a short term fix and it's not really going to have any lasting um, benefit. But if you combine those things with your training, it could be great. Um, as long as you're not taking too much time to do those, then it's taken away from your training or taken away from your recovery or taken away from your girlfriend or, or, or boyfriend. Uh, Cause just take them for what they are. They're not going to be, uh, they're like a sprinkle on top of the ice cream sundae. But the sprinkles are good, so you got to have some sprinkles on there. So they're they're not bad, but just make sure you don't you don't put too much emphasis on those kind of things. Um, but they do have their place. And the other thing is, I like to give home exercises too. So, um, uh, for example, if we're talking about our person with the shoulder with the overhead pressing, when they're at home uh, on days that they don't train shoulders, they don't train that movement. Uh, so maybe they train uh, the landmine press two days a week. And then, so the other five days a week at home, I would have them just um, standing in front of a wall and just sliding their hand up the wall and bringing it back down, sliding up the wall and coming, and coming back down so that the shoulder is still getting exposure to that movement and to that range of motion. Because the more that we can expose it to that sensitive range of motion or that sensitive movement pattern, the better. The more we can expose it to it without provoking it, the more it's going to get desensitized. It's kind of like if you have a fear of something um, or like think of it like this. Think of like a fan in the background. The more that your neurons in your in your ear get triggered by that fan, the less sensitive they get. And then before you know it, you're not you don't even know that the fan is there. Or like a smell in the room. Like if you walk in a room and you smell, um, you smell, uh, you know, uh, dinner being made. You smell it when you first walk in, but then when you're in it, you don't really smell it anymore. Similar thing to this. If we can expose that those tissues and those joints to that movement uh, without provoking the pain, then uh, then that's then that would be the best case too. So all those things combined with the modifications in the gym are going to get you your best result. I just didn't want the listeners to think that. 
all we do is just, okay, if it hurts, don't do that, do this. But there, there's a bit more to it uh, and a bit more nuance that can be taken. But um, yeah, I think this is a great episode, man. I think there's a lot of benefit um, to it in, in a short amount of time. I think we covered a lot. If anyone has any other questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Nick Licamelli. Uh, my email is nick at strengthtogetheronline.com. You could find a lot of my work, probably all my work um, with at 3DMJ. So um, the, the website is uh, number three, letter D, uh, musclejourney.com. So 3dmusclejourney.com. Obviously follow them on Instagram, YouTube, uh, they're fantastic resources. Anyone that doesn't know 3DMJ should get to know them because they've drastically changed my life. Um, and what else? Uh, the BFR pros, they're on Instagram as well. Some of my work on BFR, which is another conversation uh, to be had. Uh, I think that's it. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to help anyone that uh, has any questions. And thank, thank you, you again. Much. Thank you again. Thank you again for having me. Thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate it a lot and hope to talk to you soon.